Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 288. If you've got a family member who's in a coma, they can hear you. I mm. always knew it. Like I just knew that he could hear me. And in fact, he even said, you know, mom, that gray man came down and asked me if I wanted to live or die. And it's really beautiful there. And mm. I really loved it there. And I really just wanted to stay there. But then I kept hearing your voice and I decided to come back. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Hills Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Inside every mother is a fierce, resilient, and intuitive woman who has the ability to tap in to an indomitable mindset and create heroic outcomes for her children, her family, her community, and for herself. That's right, she is a warrior mom. 
in the book, Warrior Mom, Celebrity Health Expert, and four-time New York Times bestselling author, J.J. Virgin reveals how one life-altering event taught her how to trust her instincts, pay attention to the details that matter, and defy the odds. And she shares how you can do it too. In 2012, J.J. was in a hospital room next to her 16-year-old son who was struck by a hit-and-run driver and left for dead. She was told by doctors that he wouldn't last through the night and to let him go. And while she had every single reason to give up, JJ chose instead to invest her energy into the hope that her son would not only survive, but thrive. It's an incredible story. On today's episode of Food Heals, JJ shares the lessons that gave her the courage to overcome the worst moment of her life. It's just an incredible story of Western medicine and holistic healing modalities working together to heal a young man and a mom that just wouldn't give up, wouldn't take no for an answer, and forged her own path. And JJ does many other things. This is our focus for today, but check her out at jjvirgin.com. But first, Food Heals Nation, are you ready to rise and bloom in 2020? What is Rise and Bloom? Rise and Bloom is my online mastermind where wellness entrepreneurs help each other to build wellness empires. So it's a great community. It's a wonderful group. It's all women. Men, you are invited to, but um, it is all women right now. And I love our group so much. We really, really support each other on our health goals, on our business goals, on creating the lives that we truly desire. And I know it's so cheesy to say like, live your best life, but like that's what we're working on in Rise and Bloom. And so Rise and Bloom is for anyone in the wellness or holistic world who wants to produce more income in their business and create more time freedom to pursue their passions, right? So they can help more people, so they can affect change in this world. It is for the change makers, the wellness warriors, everyone else out there who just has a desire, a burning desire to do something bigger in this world, we are here for you. And it is online. It's the fourth Wednesday of every month. We meet at five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern on Zoom. So all you have to do is click on a link that I send out and we will see your beautiful shiny face. And we always have either myself or I bring in someone smarter than me to teach something for the night. Someone with wisdom to help you spark ideas for the next month and we all talk and support each other and set our goals together and it's just such a supportive community. We talk about all the things in our wellness businesses or our wellness goals and we really talk about like what's up for us and how we can support each other moving forward because you know, we can't go at it alone. Whatever it is that we are striving for, we've got to have people in our lives who want to rise up with us. We've got to have people in our lives who do not keep us down, keep us small, or want us to stay down. This is where Rise and Bloom comes in. These are the girls, these are the women, and men, you guys are invited to, like I said, who have your back 
who are going to look out for you. We all support each other's work. You know, I am so grateful to all the Rise and Bloom ladies who came and bought my book immediately and left me a review right away. And we all, you know, review each other's podcasts and we all send each other supportive emails and we have a great Facebook group and we have an Instagram group where we send each other loving messages and support one another. And it's just such an amazing thing to be a part of and I'm so grateful for it. So Rise and Bloom 2020 is starting soon. I would love to have you on board. It is a really low cost. It's not a big investment and it's worth every penny and I can happily send you some testimonials from happy and satisfied Rise and Bloomers. So we'd love to have you. Email me if you are interested at info at foodhealsnation.com and join our tribe for 2020 where we are going to rise and bloom together. All right, next up, my interview with JJ. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. All right, she's a prominent TV and media personality. Like me, she's into biohacking. She is the author of four New York Times bestselling books and hosts the popular Reignite Wellness podcast. Please welcome today's guest, JJ Virgin. I, I'm just kind of mortified that it took us three years to get this set up or however long it's been. <laughs> a little like, bit oh my too gosh. long. <laughs> yeah, when was that gala? I met you at, I forget, was it two years ago? <laughs> It had to have been at least two years ago because she stopped doing them. So, you know, okay. it, but of course it's going to be so worth the wait. Absolutely. Right? Good things come to those who wait and we've been waiting <laughs> and we're so happy to have you. So I really want to get into your book, Warrior Mom, and the incredible story of healing your son from his traumatic brain injury. But before we get to that, I just have to ask you, you know, how you got into wellness, how your journey began. And I know you got your start in the 80s teaching aerobics and leotards. I love those pictures. So <laughs> give us a little bit of like the history of who you are and how you got here. Yeah, it's sort of like good news, bad news that you know, people didn't have camera phones or even phones or any of that stuff back then. Because <laughs> right. um, that was like not the best looking time in our history with those flash dancey leg warmers and all that look. But I actually yeah. started way before then. I started in my uh, teens. I mean, mm. when I was 12 years old, I started studying nutrition. And that meant I had to go to the library because mm -hmm. we did not have computers and there was no Google. So I actually went to the library, like discovered Adele Davis, started studying nutrition, reading all the labels, going to the local health food store, drove my mother absolutely insane. My mom is from the Midwest. Huh. She's the casserole queen. And we had dessert every night after dinner. And like, I just stopped doing all that. Like wouldn't eat it, wouldn't do it. You know, I made her crazy. And then I started teaching calisthenics in high school and dance because <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't any aerobics. I think jazzercise was just coming out. Uh -huh. And then I went off to UCLA on a theater scholarship. And one summer I came back and I worked at KQED Public Television. Mm -hmm. And I taught dance and I started teaching more aerobics. And a little um, studio opened up and it was a Richard Simmons anatomy asylum. Oh my gosh, amazing. I remember having to teach aerobics in a toga. And <laughs> <laughs> so I go back to UCLA, I start working at a local aerobics studio and someone called up and wanted someone to come to their house instead of having to come to the studio. And that's when I started personal training. And as far as I know, it was me, Mark Sisson and Body by Jake. I think it was maybe 1982, 1983. 
Like we were the Mm -hmm. first ones and there was no personal training, anything back then. You know, the certifications just started for aerobics. Uh So then I started teaching personal trainers and the whole bit, but it's like, I can't ever remember a time that wasn't just my whole focus. And my biggest goal when I first was leaving college was to not have to go sit at a desk Like I couldn't imagine anything more horrible than having to go to the same place every day and sit at a desk. I'm like, I just cannot possibly do that. What am I going to do? Yes, I'm with you 100%. (laughs) (laughs) But by the time I graduated from UCLA, I had a full-blown personal training business. I like the day after graduation, I went to start a grad school in biomechanics and that was that. And I just created a thing. Like there wasn't, there wasn't a business. There wasn't anywhere to go. Gyms were just starting, but you were either teaching classes at the gym, which I did for a while, or running the gym. So I did both of those things. But the rest of it, I just made up as I went. I love it. <laughs> and I say, and I will tell you, this is funny, Ali. I, I remember going because I kept bouncing between Florida and California. And so I was living in Fort Lauderdale, I go to the county to go get a business license. And they told me I couldn't have that. I said, you know, I'm a personal trainer because it was LA that this was now established. They looked at me like I was a hooker, you know, (laughs) like you can't. And of course, in Fort Lauderdale at the time, it would make sense. It was very, (laughs) it was, it was, it was very much like that then, but it was like, uh, really? You know, so it's, it's been an interesting progression, but I'm glad it's all, it's all like a legit business now. Oh, yes. I mean, now if you're not a personal trainer or into nutrition or helping people heal themselves, what are you doing? Yeah, (laughs) well, we think that, but there's plenty of people who still think we're nuts. (laughs) That is true. I'm so glad where I live, I'm the norm. Like, I can walk down the street with a green juice and a yoga mat strapped on my back, and I'm like totally cool. But I do that in some places in like North Carolina, and I'm like that weirdo. Oh, yeah. And I know that because I actually lived in North Carolina. And I remember I'd just given birth and I was still had a lot of baby weight on me. And I remember going to the pool and someone going, you're so thin. And I'm like, I was not thin, like not uh-huh. not even remotely thin. I thought, gosh, if I was in L.A., like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but North Carolina, this works just fine. <laughs> you went on this wellness journey for yourself and then you became a television and media personality. You were the co-host of TLC's Freaky Eaters, which is a freaky show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every time I go on Instagram and do lives, I get bombarded by, you know, I think it's like a teenage cult classic. I'm like, this is great. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> and then people DMing me like, this is what I eat. Help. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, show's over, people. It's done. Over. It's over. Go, go back and watch the old episodes. Do not yeah. ask us for advice. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just give us like one or two of the craziest things you saw? Oh, gosh. Well, the one I really wanted to do that we didn't get to do was, so Freaky Eaters were all about people who were addicted to a specific food. It got in the way of their, you know, family life, their career, their health, and they just couldn't stop. So we had a gal who would only eat French fries and a guy who would only eat French fries. You know, it was interesting. There was never the person who would only eat broccoli. It was generally like (laughs) French fries. It was either sugar or starch. So one gal put tartar sauce on top of everything. One guy put maple syrup on top of everything. The funny thing with the maple syrup guy is when I was a little kid, I got the flu and we'd gone out to breakfast just as I was starting to get sick. And I remember we ordered pancakes and they came with all this maple syrup. And then I went like and got totally sick, like throwing up, et cetera. So I associate maple syrup with throwing up. 
Right. I right. cannot stand it. I can't stand the smell. I can't be around, it, et cetera. Well, part of what we would do with these people is shock therapy. So the first thing we would do that was great for oh. TV is we would put them in this, in, you know, we put them in like an environment, like surrounded by this stuff. So here we are, we're in this environment and we are surrounded by maple syrup, vats and vats, huge like huge, big vats of maple syrup. And what we're having him do is pour this maple syrup so that he has to actually like just get rid of it and pour it into these vats and dump it all out. And meanwhile, maple <laughs> syrup's running. I'm up in the this TV studio. It's outside and maple syrup is in these vats running all over the ground and on my feet. And, oh. and I am like, dying because I'm like, do not throw up, do not throw up. Cause it's just, it's just like my worst nightmare surrounded by maple syrup. You know? They should have been filming you. This would have been hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's like going, it's really not the show to have like the expert have an issue with the thing. Right. right. And then we had a gal, she had pica, which is a nutrient deficiency. which can make you eat dirt while she was eating cornstarch. And I remember oh. before we met her, the producer said, listen, because one of the things cornstarch will do is it'll loosen your bones. So she had a tooth, we called her snaggle tooth, that was sticking out to the side. And you couldn't not look at it. It was like the guy in Austin Powers with the mole. You know, you, uh -huh. couldn't, you couldn't not see it. So they're like, listen, you're going to go meet her, but don't stare at the tooth, which is like, of course you're going to stare at the tooth. How could you not right. stare at the tooth? You told me not to stare. I'm, first thing I'm doing is looking at that tooth. Right. It, was, <laughs> it was so bad because uh, like, you know, all you can do is stare at the tooth. Mm -hmm. I remember walking up to her and we scared her because she was like trying to hide the cornstarch from her husband. And she took a big glug of it in her mouth and turned around, looked at us and kind of blew like cornstarch smoke at us with the tooth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so funny. But then we had one guy who was addicted to hot sauce and hot peppers. Uh -huh. And I really, really wanted to do him because part of his little demo reel he sent us, he took a bite of something and was blowing like smoke out of his mouth. What? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, wow. I mean, it, it is insane. Like you can't make this stuff up, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real, can't make it up. Gosh, I love stories like this. That's why we do what we do because we truly want to help people. And I know that's why you wrote your books. You have The Virgin Diet, The Virgin Diet Cookbook, JJ Virgin Sugar Impact Diet, and your latest one is Warrior Mom. So I would love Yeah, I didn't you... want to write that one though. I will tell you, I got pushed into writing that. That I did not want to write. <laughs> well, I don't think you plan to write that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to write for a whole host of reasons, but <gasps> the biggest one being that I have a very different approach on diets. Like I think our biggest challenge is that you know, everyone says diets don't work and they, they absolutely do work. You need to use them for the right reason, which is not yeah. to think you're going on this diet forever. You're going on this diet to discover what you need to, to take away, to put into your everyday life and your everyday eating, you know? So it's a different philosophy, but when someone doesn't like your diet book, it's not like they say, you know, you're a horrible person. I hate you. When you write a book that's really much more of a memoir and really tells your story and your family's story, if they don't like that, like that's a really awful thing, you know, because it's you, <laughs> right? So I was like, oh, right. I didn't think about that. Yikes. Well, it's very vulnerable to write a book like that and to share your story. And, you know, a lot of what you're sharing goes against what most people consider to be the right way to do things when it comes to like following what the medical establishment tells you to do. And you were like, we're going to do it my way. Get out of my way. Right. I would no longer have a child if I'd followed what they told me to do. So mm -hmm. I opted to not 
do that. And I think any parent needs to know within them that they've done everything they possibly could for their child. So, you know, I went with that. Oh, I have chills. Yes. So take us through that story. Um, So he was in a car accident and how did you find out? So he was 16. So I have two boys and they were 15 and 16. They're like a year apart. Irish twins is what everybody calls them. (laughs) They look very similar. And I had been, I came home that night and Grant went out to go to a friend's house. And then Bryce came running in and said, Grant's been hit by a car and Mm -hmm. airlifted to a local hospital. The only reason Bryce knew is because he and my ex-husband were driving by the accident scene and knew that Grant had been out walking. So they stopped. And then when they did, this policeman came up and said, oh, you know, a boy's been hit and he looks just like you in points to Bryce. Oh my God. (laughs) So we called up the hospital, but the hospital was like, uh, couldn't give us any information. He was a John Doe because he didn't have anything on him at the time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when we get there, they usher us into a conference room. They're not communicating with us. It was kind of like the epitome of how not to treat people. You know, so we go into this conference room and then this doctor comes in and he looks very, very stern and he says, your son's been in an accident and it was very, very bad. He is in a coma. He has diffuse axonal injuries, you know, major brain bleeds. And he has a torn aorta that if it doesn't get repaired in the next 24 hours is going to rupture. And Mm. um, turns out this was what killed Princess Diana it is, um, oh, wow. kills 90% of the people right on the scene. Like you might look at this and go, oh my gosh, this is so awful. I got hit by a car. I kept looking at it going, oh my gosh, like this kid was so fortunate over and over and over again. It's ridiculous how fortunate he was. So they said, you know, we can't do this, the surgery here. He would have to be airlifted to another hospital where they can do the surgery. It requires you to be able to do it without a blood thinner. He goes, but he would never survive this airlift. And even if he were to survive the airlift, he wouldn't survive that surgery. And if he, even if he were to survive that surgery, he'd be so brain damaged, it wouldn't be worth it. And my son, my, my other son's looking over at him. And, you know, here's the thing. My ex-husband was a medical malpractice trial attorney. His father was a med mal trial attorney. His uncle's a doctor. His grandfather founded four hospitals in Miami. We've been around, like all my friends are docs. It's, I don't put them on pedestals. They're, they're just going to give you the opinion that they can give you. That the they time, were trained to give. Right? Yeah. That's, that's they what know. they can do. That's all right. they can do. You know, that's it. So I'm just like, all right, well, you're just giving me your opinion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Bryce looked at this doctor and said, so maybe a 0.25% chance he could make it. And Bryce is a total math dude too. And the doctor says, yep, that sounds about right, son. And Bryce goes, well, we'll take those odds. I love it. I mean, but here's the thing, not zero, still breathing. And, and I will tell you, I walked outside at that point because I was like, I really just, I needed to check in. I've always been very, very close to Grant, like so much so that the minute I was pregnant, like literally I woke up the morning after and went, looked at my husband, went, I'm pregnant. It's a boy. He's like, yeah, right. And I go, no, no, trust me, I'm pregnant. It's a boy, you know? So (laughs) I, you know, I just went out and I looked up at the sky and I said, what do I do? And I heard the big fight for me, mom. And that's the warrior oh. mom fight for me. And I'm like, all right. I walked back in. I go, well, you're overruled. 
Like, get I, time is important here, right? And the doctors like could not believe that we were going to overrule, right? I think that was right. the most shocking. It's like, what? You know? <laughs> um, and that's where it was really good to have a medical malpractice trial attorney in the family. Also, I knew the head of the UCLA healthcare system. So we just did everything we had to do mm-hmm. to get this thing going. And I drove to the hospital in the middle of the night, no idea if I was picking up because, you know, they said he wasn't going to survive the airlift. So I have no idea what's going to happen when I get there. So they airlifted him to another hospital. They airlifted him to an amazing hospital, Harbor UCLA, number two trauma center in the country. The doctor there, Dr. Carlos Donaire, he got this fax at midnight. From midnight to 5 a.m., he assembled five surgical teams. Wow. He assembled orthopedic surgeons. He assembled um, the critical care and the pediatric critical care and the cardiothoracic and the um, one other one I'm blanking on. So there were f- there were five different ones. I walk in and he also got this stint that had been part of a study that he'd done, but now was discontinued and he and mm-hmm. was supposed to be for adults. He goes, you know, and I figured I'd ask for forgiveness. This is the doc you want. Like he, he was so good on so many levels. I put him in our public television special. I did a documentary on this that you can actually mm-hmm. access called You Are Stronger Than You Think. On so many levels, this guy is everything. I'm like, you really need to be teaching people like how you just do this because he was just so amazing. Was it because this stent was not allowed to be used on children? Well, a lot of things. Number one, it wasn't even around. He found it. He tracked it down between midnight and 5 a.m. Oh, wow. So that's the first thing. It's like, okay, (laughs) you know, and he didn't accept the fact that they were like, oh, no, he knew it would be okay. My son's 16 years old and was six feet tall and, Uh you know, 180 pounds. Like, so it wasn't like he was, you know, (laughs) he was was adult size. Right. So, I mean, he just, you know, anyway, we walk in the door and they bring us into this room where they've got the surgical teams working on him. Oh, it was the neurosurgical. I knew there was one other one, the neurosurgeons. So they're all in there. And he comes over to me and he goes, you the mom? You know, of course, I'm like freaking out. And so he takes me, goes, I want to show you where we're going to be doing the surgery. So come with me. And wow. he, it was like, really, he said, really, I just needed to get you out of that room <laughs> quickly. <laughs> so he takes me and he shows me where they're going to do the surgery. And he goes, and he goes, now I do these all the time. Like I did one last week, a guy got thrown off the overpass. This will be fine. I'll fix them. I'm going to come get you. Let me take you up to where you can wait and I'll come get you in a couple of hours and tell you that everything's fine. I love this guy. Do I not love, love this guy. I love this guy so much. And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that how it sounds should good. be. Yeah, Usually I literally they're went so up there. Grim. All right, I go up there and I worked on blog posts and you know that's for the next couple hours. Well, oh I mean, you didn't want to, what? What else? I was going to sit there and freak out. So I literally wrote right. blog posts, did stuff. Didn't want to call my mom because I thought she will totally freak out. So because am I right that you were launching a book right at this time? Oh yeah, my the Virgin Diet was coming out in a couple of weeks, and I was okay. also on a Discovery show that I literally had stuff due for. So I thought, okay, so I was up there. I just did my did my stuff, did my work, and then um, he came in. He goes, all right, it's all good. It's he's fine. <laughs> And then, yeah, wow. He goes, he goes, but I don't know if 
he'll ever wake up because that's not my part, man. I'm just the plumber. So you got to go talk to the neurosurgeons. <laughs> I'm like, what? You know, it goes from like amazing to horrible all in right. one minute. And uh, so we go in to talk to the neurosurgeons who are the, you know, worst doom and gloomers ever. And they're like, we don't know. And, and I'm like, I thought, you know, I'm just not going to listen to these people. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not listening. And I went in and I was standing by my son, Grant, he was covered in road rash. Like there was pieces of glass sticking in his skin. I remember like when I first saw him, bones were oh. sticking through his skin, pieces of glass. Like he was completely just battered, right? Mm. And so I'm standing there and he's all hooked up to all these machines, machines helping him breathe, machines controlling the pressure on his brain, a central line um, to keep him hydrated. And he literally has, he's got, his legs are casted. They had two orthopedic surgeon teams working on him at once. Both his femurs had been broken. So they'd been fixed. He had a heel that was crushed that had been fixed. He had, you know, broken um, forearm, like all these things. So he casts, right? So there's two fingers. I'm holding two fingers. And, uh, and I've got those two fingers. And I grant, you know, we've got this. Don't worry. I love you so much. Your name means warrior. We can totally get through this. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I say, and your brother loves you so much. And I feel this little squeeze. And they're like telling me, listen, you know, he's in a deep coma. He's not responsive. You won't feel anything. Yada, yada. And I'm like, I believe that they are 100% know what's going on. Oh, well, you just wait till you hear the next thing because you'll probably fall off your chair. So if I hear a crash, (laughs) um, He won't know anything, blah, blah, blah. So I feel the squeeze. And then I said, you know, and your grandmother loves you so much, nothing. And I said, your girlfriend, Mackenzie, loves you. And he picked my hand up off the um, bed. And I went, he is in there. And I said, Grant, here's the deal. I go, I'm going to get every single person we need to get you to be 110%. You are going to be 110%. This is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And I'm going to do everything I need to do to get you there. But you have to fight. Your name means warrior. You've got to get in this with me. And from that moment, that was my mantra. I just focused. And I I am completely one of those people. I I think you'll see it when you believe it. And everything happens first in your mind. And I just made the decision that I was going to do everything in my power to get him to 110% and help him see himself there because that's a huge part of it, of course, is for him to know that he can. So that was the focus and it's been the focus ever since. And there's been some pretty dark times when that seemed like a pretty ridiculous thing. I mean, he was in a coma for weeks and then Mm. it's not like in the movies, you know, in the movies they come out of a coma and they look at you and they're like, hi, you know, and I love you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's, that's not it. (laughs) That's not not, what it's really like. That's not what it's really like. It's not for him at least. Um, It took months and he didn't talk for months. He stared off into space. He had to learn everything all over again, who he was, where he was from, how to eat, how to brush his teeth, how to tie his shoes, how to get dressed, everything. It so was like he's like a, big, a kid big, again. Yeah, it was like literally baby. like yeah. I've now got a six foot tall, big baby. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, straight down to potty training. We got to do that again, too. I was like, well, that's really super dupe, but, you know, better than the alternative, right? 
All right, Food Heals Nation, I hope you're enjoying our interview with JJ Virgin. And JJ and I are both very, very passionate about wellness and nutrition and getting the right fuel into our body, using food as fuel, not as reward, and really locking that down in 2020. And you know, let's face it, New Year's resolutions don't always stick. That's why I don't actually make resolutions, but I do set intentions. And as someone who loves to eat but is not a chef, (laughs) simplifying my kitchen is key. And I love meals on the go that are quick and easy to make without, you know, compromising the quality of the food. This is why I have fallen in love, in love, you guys, with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest makes it so easy to eat well. They deliver healthy chef-crafted food right to my door, like smoothies and soups and harvest bowls with fresh veggies, oatmeal bowls, chia bowls, even lattes, and everything can be prepared, I'm not kidding, in five minutes or less. This is like my dream come true. You have no idea. It's literally the easiest to make. So for the smoothies, I just add my oat milk and I pour it into the blender. And oh my God, the mint and cacao smoothie was absolutely to die for. I'm going to order about five more right now. And then the harvest bowls, they just take a couple of minutes on the stove and you've got this delicious, flavorful dish right in front of you ready to go. My favorite so far they have this like sweet potato and wild rice hash which is like a great staple for winter I think it's like a warming food and really really nourishing and in my next shipment I can't wait to try the broccoli and cheese harvest bowl and the lime pad thai I'm really excited for those to arrive so yeah check it out daily harvest it's something that you can enjoy year-round it's a quick solution to get in you know all the fruits and vegetables you need every day daily harvest works directly with farmers to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and then freezes them actually within 24 hours because that's how you lock in the nutrients super important then everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it there are 65 different options right now I haven't tried them all but I'm really excited I've tried about Um, I think six or eight different ones now, and I'm absolutely hooked. So if you're sold, go to dailyharvest.com, enter my promo code FOODHEALS. You're going to get $25 off your first box. So for example, my first box came with six different smoothies and harvest bowls and oatmeals and Uh, coffee drinks to try and so I got to have a little bit of each and now I'm gonna try some other ones and then I'm gonna get some of the same ones that I really loved so it's really fun you can customize it you know every time that you order so promo code food heals $25 off your first box dailyharvest.com let me know what you think send me an email I hope you enjoy it as much as I have all right back to my interview with JJ And I know that during this whole process, you were making sure that while he was getting himself healed by what Western medicine can do, you were bringing in vitamins and supplements and nutrients and making sure that he was getting exercise and all of the things. So tell me a little bit, take me through that journey. So kind of the cool good news is um, he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And because of that, he was on high dose fish oil before the car accident. And one of the Uh things with fish oil is it protects your brain. I really believe that one of the reasons that he made it through that accident was having that high-dose fish oil on board. Mm -hmm. And he was on a lot of nutrients. So he went in super strong and super healthy. And then the minute that this happened, literally the next day, I sent an email out to my entire list, all my friends. I posted on Facebook 
And I got some flack about it too. But you know, like when you're saving your son's life, you really don't care if you ruffle some feathers. Yeah, and like at all, some some (laughs) snotty woman was like, I can't believe you're putting this on Facebook. I go, you know what? Not only is it going to save my son's life, but it's going to save some other kids' lives and people's lives as well. So you just- What are like, connections for? You know, yeah, why don't sense, you though. just like go live your like your life over there? Like you're off yeah. my planet, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Unfriendly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Bye. <laughs> I love that. It's like, I do that on my lives now too. Oh, not nice. You're out. Um, yep. So I sent a, an email out and I said- I don't need your sympathy. I need your support. Here's what I'm mm-hmm. looking for. Anything that you know right now that could be helpful. And so my girlfriend, Anna Kabeca, who is a doctor who went to Emory, knew about the research that was being done there on progesterone. Um, and I had a bunch of friends tell me about the research that was being done on fish oil, Dr. Barry Sears, and Michael Lewis sent me all of the literature. So I had all the research on it. Mm-hmm. Um I had friends coming over and doing acupressure. We couldn't get the acupuncture needles in there. They were watching us, but we did essential oils, um, energy medicine, like every single, all sorts of stuff. And I had every religion praying for me too. I covered all my bases. Um, Uh, I was like, yes. They're like, do you want me to do this? Yes. (laughs) Um, It was very interesting too, because one of the first things I started to do to notice where he was coming more aware was as I started to use essential oils because he started to make little nose movements and eye movements, et cetera. It took us a while to get his fish oil up to where I wanted it to be because the hospital refused to go over two grams, which was mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. I've now heard stories. I ran into um, Sanjay Gupta in a green room and oh. he's, he was telling me stories about like parents lying down on the hospital floors and not moving <laughs> unless they their kids got fish oil. I mean, it's, it's so wow. stupid that it would get to this but it can get to this. So when we started really kicking up his fish oil, that's when he started to talk. And it was pretty crazy. I mean, we went from two grams to 10 grams and that's when the talking all started. So that was amazing. And is it because the way that the oil helps the brain heal? What's yeah. the connection? It's basically a lot of the stuff. And if you really start to look at mental illness, um, brain injuries, mental illness, a lot of brain injuries, you know, a lot of mental illness is some kind of inflammation in the brain. And that could be due to a mechanical injury or a chemical injury or a biological injury. So you could have something that happens like Lyme disease, which we're now finding with Grant is Bartonella and Lyme are, had created a lot of these symptoms that looked like bipolar disorder and intermittent explosive disorder. Um, But then we had the mechanical inflammation from this. Well, fish oil works to reduce the inflammation, to reduce the fire. So hugely helpful and to help with repair. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it's not just kind of first-line therapy. And the concern is that it is going to increase bleeding. But the silly part about that is there's actually no research anywhere showing that it does. Nowhere. You cannot find it. And so what I did is every time I knew they were going to check his bleed times, I'd push his dose up because then I'd be able to look at, yeah. And then I'd be able to look at the numbers and never impacted it at all. It just didn't. Wow. There you go. But I had to do, they would only give him two grams. So all the rest I did behind their backs. And then when we moved to the next hospital, I just told him he was on 20 grams and they said, fine. Fabulous. Good for you. I mean, at that point, when we walked into that next hospital, he had these huge books 
right, that it came right. with them of all of his medical records. So I was like, he's on vitamin D. He's on, you know, I was just like giving him the list of everything that I You're was like, kind of doing, you know. Have, yeah, yeah, it's my list. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> they're like, and they were much more integrative than the first place. The first place, hey, was amazing. If you've got you know, if you get thrown off an overpass, if you've got a traumatic issue, that is your place you want to be. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. But they said it themselves, like the, the next level of healing was not, not their thing. Like I brought in all of Grant's food. I brought in salmon. I had a Nutribullet in there. I was making him smoothies. So I was doing everything possible to help him heal. And, and I wasn't feeding him hospital food. That was for sure. I actually had to put a sign up because they kept wanting to bring in crystal light and ensure I'm like, oh my really? God. He's not having that. Yeah. Can you imagine like crystal no. light for a brain injury? It's so absurd. And doesn't that have aspartame? Yes. In it? I mean, it's, yes, it's <laughs> neuroexcitatory. Like uh, you have an unstable brain. I mean, one of the things that happens when you have a brain injury is you have to do things to prevent seizures and you've got something that's been shown to cause seizures. I'm like that, you know, they're like, what will he drink? I'm like water. It's amazing. You know, he can do it. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, I'm so glad you said no to the hospital food because I think that is one of the biggest travesties at the hospital. It's like when both of my parents had cancer, they'd be in the hospital and they'd be like, which dessert do you want? Do you want the chocolate oh cake or the banana pudding? And you're like, sugar feeds tumors, people. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Insane. I didn't know back then. Yeah, like, I, I it is know. still amazing that like it still hasn't changed. And I remember going down to the little coffee shop in the hospital and they had a little mm -hmm. sign that said farm to table. And I'm like, wow, that's progressive, right? So, but right, I go right. in there, farm to table with some apples. <laughs> they had a farm to table sign and apples. I go, this is the funniest thing. I mean, it's funny, not funny. It's funny, sad, but, right, um, totally. but yeah, it, it is amazing that it has not changed still oh to this day. Gosh. One of the first words Grant said um, after I love you to his girlfriend when she was there was um, disgusting about the hospital food. Wow. Okay. So he, he knew what was up because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. And so how long did it take him to fully heal? How is he today? It took about five years. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's so much misinformation out there about brain injuries. It's a huge, huge issue. It's like 5 million people at any time in the U.S. are suffering from a brain injury. And the sad part is, like, I looked back and realized that, you know, I'd had a car accident in my 40s and I didn't even realized, you know, because you don't think about it, you know, at the time, mm -hmm. like, I actually even got knocked out. But even if you just hit your head hard, you know, your brain's a history book. So the more you do, I mean, I think we're getting a lot of attention on football players. But gosh, there's so many different ways you can hurt your brain. And we really need to be aware of it. But there's so many things you can do to heal it. The thought back then was, well, you know, whatever you get in the first six months, and that'll be it. And I'm like, it, mm -hmm. that couldn't be, you know, and the first six months, he made some dramatic shifts, but then it's been over the last five years and we've done hyperbaric and stem cells and exosomes and neurofeedback and a lot of exercise training. Like if I had to pick one thing, exercise and especially coordinated exercise, super good. Sure. A lot of speech therapy, um, which was really more like kind of speech therapy and, and learning stuff because he couldn't even tell you that that was a red apple, you know, I mean, we had to mm -hmm. literally start all over. 
But the the stem cells were one of the bigger ones. Unfortunately, they've locked up his stem cells and put them into a holding pen here in the U.S., which I... What? Yep. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous when you think about like he had his own stem cells harvested. Uh Then we had them grown and expanded in the lab. Then we had them injected into his spine. And Uh it's pretty amazing when you start to do this, what happens. Like you can see within 72 hours, the shifts... Really? Um, But like, so we can't access his own stem cells that are in a lab. And why did that happen? One of the government agencies came in and shut them all down. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because, um, so actually, this is really, this is really good information for me to know because I heard you talking about, um, you said on a podcast that it was not even worth having surgery unless you were doing stem cell treatment afterwards to truly repair um, well, whatever, it's what I did with know, mine. Was... So when Grant got his, he had to have a, you know, he said to have a lot of surgeries and we just had stem cells on board so that if he was doing a mm-hmm. surgery, we could go in and hit him with stem cells too. I got, um, a really bad accent from a dog chasing my little dog and, uh, me oh. falling over on my hip. Cause, but I saved the dog. <laughs> I was like dog protected, <laughs> That's all that matters. woman down. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tore, tore my hamstring, oh. like tore a bit of it off my ischial tuberosity, which is an enormously painful thing. Um, and then like blasted out my hip. I was like, you know, had to get that thing replaced, but, um, you know, but the dog's fine. So there's that. (laughs) Um, but I did do stem cells for both of those. And I was really concerned about the hamstring because it can be like a 12 week on a knee scooter. You have to keep it in a certain position. I'm like, how the heck am Mm. I going to pull that off on stages? (laughs) Like knee scooter on in, here's your speaker, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's going to be super lame, but, um, I actually think it'll go viral and then, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, and and trying to dance on the knee scooter. I don't know. It's just like very (laughs) difficult, but it did. The stem cells absolutely repaired that. So that was super cool. Wow. I always look at that and go, wouldn't you want to go from least invasive on anything you do, whether whatever it is in your health? And I feel the same way about biohacking too. It's like go for foundational and least invasive first. So what are those things? What you eat and what you don't eat, when you eat, you know, how much you eat, how you eat, and then your relationships, your relationships with others, with yourself and someone bigger than yourself, something bigger than yourself, and then having a purpose and then moving and exercising and then doing something mindful, taking some time out and getting amazing sleep and taking supplements to fix any kind of nutrient deficiencies or lack. Like that's the simple stuff. Do that piece, right? <laughs> and Mic then, drop. We're done here. Thanks, yeah. JJ. I mean, a lot of stuff just fixes <laughs> when you just do that piece, but 100%. not everything, you know, it's like then you use yeah. all the rest of it to fix the stuff that doesn't get fixed. Yeah, the next level things. And that's what I'm really into now because I feel like I've been on this journey for a while now. And first I realized I could heal myself with food and I did that. And I'm continuing to do it. You know, it's an ongoing thing of eating right. And um, I do the intermittent fasting and then I get my veggies and my nutrition. I've been functional medicine tested. I know what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what foods to eat, what foods to avoid, what makes me thrive, what makes me not thrive. And so I've hacked the diet. And so now I'm all into the next level things. To me, I look at these things, I go, first of all, before I ever have a surgery, like I was able to fix my hamstring 
And that was a year. Oh my gosh, felt like I was getting stabbed in the butt. I couldn't sit on uh-huh. it. Thank God I have a car that self-drives so I could roll over onto my left hip and I had to fly. Like if I was flying to New York, I'm like, I couldn't get comfortable. It was really terrible. You know, so I look at it and I go, well, wouldn't you first try to see what you could accomplish through you know, prolotherapy, PRP, stem cells, et cetera. And then yes. when you are doing surgery, I mean, the amount of things that you can do between nutrients, prolo or PRP or stem cells or exosomes, like why wouldn't you do all the stuff to get yourself healed? I mean, I did um, some laser skin treatments for anti-aging stuff for my face. Oh, me too. What normally took 10 days to heal, I got done in three because I use stem wow. cells topically and IV afterwards. That is amazing. I've done the PRP and I've done laser facial treatments. I had brown spots all over my face. You know, being a sun worshiper growing up, we would just go to the beach and lay out for hours. I know, hours. it's the one thing I would change. Like I was looking and going, what would I change had I if I uh-huh. could go back? Because you're like going, well, I couldn't really change anything because that would change everything. But I would not have ever put baby oil on and laid on a silver blanket. That's exactly. a dumb ass <laughs> thing to do. I would not have done that. I also would have started saving. I would have done the Prophet Furtz model of Mike McCallowitz. Um, yes. Great <laughs> so yes. those things <laughs> found all the good personal development stuff a little earlier. Yeah, agreed. But I think for me, uh, sounds like a little bit for you too. It was the personal trauma that inspired me to get into the self-help, to get into the nutrition, to get into the biohacking, all the things. If I hadn't gone through a trauma, I would be a completely different person. I wouldn't be into all this stuff because I wouldn't have had to try to heal someone, try to heal myself. You know, The trauma is what makes us us it reveals us, right? You know, I always love the people that like something horrible happened to them and they behaved badly and they go, oh, it's just (laughs) because of that. I go, no, that just revealed who you are. Um, You know, because if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice, says Wayne Dyer, like, you know, Uh who are you when you get squeezed? Because that's who you really are. So that is so true. I know. I love this stuff. And I, I do think that it, you know, all the trauma we go through makes us stronger. And like when you were telling your son, like you are a warrior and now you had to become the warrior mom to help him heal. And I'm sure you had many warriors in your, you know, community of people that were helping him. But what advice would you give someone who was like, hey, listen, um, my friend or myself, you know, had a brain injury. Where do I start? Where do I begin? Would it be to read the book? Do you have resources on your website? Where would you send people? You know, the person I think who's really doing amazing work here just has a great book that's got a lot of the important information is uh, there's actually two of them. One of them is Mm -hmm. Michael Lewis, who wrote When Brains Collide and was a huge help for me when Grant was in the hospital and beyond and just didn't know me and just Mm -hmm. is that person. He's so kind and so smart. Uh, Dr. Michael Lewis, he was... Gosh, he was retired military and his whole focus is brain injuries. You can imagine he's pretty busy in the military with that focus. And then um, the other one is the concussion repair manual, and that's by Dr. Dan Engel. And he's another one who was enormously helpful for Grant, a very cutting edge doc, doing a lot now on the more on looking at a lot of the psychedelic medicines for. Um, yes. mental illness, which I'm super excited about, like it, which yeah. I find so funny that this is controversial when if you look at most of the medications for mental illness, they are the most toxic, crappy, horrible exactly. things ever, you know, and here's the stuff that isn't. It's like we need to explore it, you know, so. 
I know. I couldn't agree more. I'm really excited for the future of that. I think plant medicine is the future and there's there are so much healing powers and so many people are experiencing it. But you know, the doctors have to do it underground because they literally can't even talk about half the things they're doing and it's yeah. ridiculous. Well, I'm so grateful that you did this for your son and that you can share it with us. And I know that, you know, I heard you say that it's now his mission to help others who have been through this. Is that what he's working on? He's now? got a couple, you know, there's a couple things that have come up for him. He's, he's still a kid. So he's still like playing around with like, what's, what's it really going to be for Grant? But yeah, one of the things that's really kind of interesting for him, you know, if you've got a family member who's in a coma, they can hear you. I mm. always knew it. Like I just knew that he could hear me and that he was with me. And he very specifically told us about in fact, it's like he described what we were wearing in the waiting room while he was in surgery. What? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, what? You know, like there's no pictures of us. There's no pictures of my, like he described what, what his dad was wearing, where we were. Yeah. And he also described all these parts of the hospital he'd never gone to. It was very, very strange. And things I was saying, in fact, he even said, you know, mom, that gray man came down and asked me if I wanted to live or die. And it's really beautiful there. And oh. I really loved it there. And I really just wanted to stay there. But then I kept hearing your voice and I decided to come back. And I'm like, Ooh. Oh. and I think it's just important to realize, because if you read a lot of these books about people who are going through this, who are in comas, they describe hearing everything. So I yeah, was so yeah. careful with Grant when he was in the hospital about anything that was said around him. I like doctors would walk in and say stuff. I'm like, uh, out of the room. You know, like right, if it wasn't right. positive. No negativity in here. No negativity. Like we're just trying to see if he's ever going to walk again. I'm like, and we're leaving the room now. You know, I'm like, oh my we God, won't be right. doing that. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't want him ever to catch wind of any of that kind of stuff or everything that's even in the realm of possibility. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with all of this because it's definitely given him quite the unique perspective. He doesn't fear death whatsoever. It's not like he's going to go oh, wow. run in front of a car. It's not like, but he doesn't sure. have that where it's not an unknown. He knows what it's like. He tries to describe it and you're like, huh? You know? <laughs> um, so it's given him a very, very different perspective. Yeah. But at some point here, I think we're going to have to do a book or something about. So we'll see. Yeah, I would love that. And I love this part of the story because I think something that's not really addressed and talked about enough is the amount of power that our words to ourselves and the words of others have on what we end up creating, whether we believe it or not, it's working. So for example, with my father, the doctor was like probably six months to live. You know, I can't predict, but six months. My dad died in six months because yeah, he thought he was going to die in six months. Yeah. Right. And then yep. there's the other guy from The Secret who they said, you'll never walk again. And every day he said, I will walk again. I will walk again. I will walk again. He decided he would walk again and he did. So it's like those moments have so much power. So if your son's in a coma and he's hearing, this guy's never going to make it, he's like, I'm never going to make it, right? But he's hearing you be like, hey, honey, it's all good. We're fine here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Just short term, we'll be back. good. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of my friends were in the secret. <laughs> so I'm fortunate yeah. to hang out with a lot of them. And, um, you know, these things, like, I just believe thoughts create, you know, and I think we can create a lot of our destiny. And here's the thing, because I had some people very angry with me when I wrote the book about, well, it's easy for you, your son lived. And I go, you know, I realized when I was writing the Warrior Mom book, 
uh, my son was super suicidal. One of the things they don't tell you about a brain injury is that uh, these people quite often kill themselves. And mm. he tried multiple times. I mean, we had to have the paramedics come in so many times. We had to 5150 him. And as I was writing this book, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if my son is going to be around when this book comes out. Like, I know there's nothing to show that he will be here, that he'll make it. Like, maybe, maybe not. But I mean, if he decides at some point he's going to go do this and I'm not around, no one's around, there's nothing we can do, right? Mm -hmm. And so I realized the book wasn't about my son surviving. My book mm -hmm. is about caretakers. And yeah. I'm going to write another book, A Caretaker's Guide, because it's really for us how we show up when things yeah. get rough. Because I know a couple things for sure. Number one, we are all going to face tough times. And it's how we handle those tough times that is everything. So that's first. Number two, we are going to be taking care of people in our lifetime and probably will be taking care of kids and adults. You know, we'll be taking, most mm -hmm. of us will have a parent to take care of. Like I, I was taking care of my son had gotten diagnosed with bipolar as my dad was in a big hospital bed in the bedroom dying of cancer. I think that's not unusual for us. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to learn how to be happy through all those times. Like some of the most amazing memories of my dad were seeing him towards the end and seeing how my mom was with him. And, you know, and that's really just having that frame of that. And then also realizing that if you are going to be a caretaker, that the single most important thing that you can possibly do is put yourself first and be able to take care of yourself so that you'll be yeah. able to take care of those people. Because, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, like I have a girlfriend whose husband was diagnosed with a really horrific disease. And then she just got diagnosed a year later with breast cancer. And it's like, I just, oh. you know, but you hear those things all the time. You're like, okay, what right. do we need to do to get through this and survive it and be able to still like have a life and not, you know, be sad every day and stressed every day, mm -hmm. et cetera. So, and you can't, you can do it. I mean, I made a conscious decision in that hospital just that I was yeah. going to put my health and myself first. I thought this sounds selfish, but it's actually selfless because I'll be able to show up and do what I need to do. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're writing this book. You know, this is exactly what I needed when I was a caretaker first for my mother, then my father. I was like in my early 20s. I didn't know how to be an advocate for them. I didn't know about self-care rituals. You know, I was just living it day to day being like, well, what the F do I do yeah. next? Like it was, <laughs> yeah. I, and I was such a kid and I was so, you know, I knew nothing about nutrition or anything, you know, whatever the doctor said we did. And I, do, I wasn't questioning, well, why are they getting that pill? Why are they having this medication? You know, I wasn't questioning that. And I love that you were like, uh, I'm a nutritionist and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do here. But you know <laughs> what? Here's the biggest thing. And my yeah. my husband, his mom died of ALS over a year when he was 16. He was the baby. And this is what mm. he took care of his mom because his dad had died yeah. at age 10. But the biggest thing that you were able to do for your parents was be there and if you had to For pick sure. one thing, like one thing when someone needs your help and support, it's being there. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I was there. The good thing about it was I was in college and so it was very easy for me to come because I only had a couple of classes and then it was easy for me to skip classes because everyone knew, you have a parent dying, go. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I had a lot of free time. So I was able to actually be there a lot for especially my mom in the last 
um, you know, six months of her life. So that was good. But yeah, I mean, this is a book that so many of us need. So I'm really grateful that you're writing it. And I know we only have a couple of minutes left. So I would love for you to just, you know, tell us what else is going on in your world. You've got Mindshare, you have your books. The way I first learned about you was because you were the person that taught people how to get off sugar, which I know my audience, you know, there's so many of us who are sugar addicts or former sugar addicts, or I I now consider myself sugar light because it's not, (laughs) I'm not sugar free, but I'm very sugar light and I'm not eating dessert like I was a few years ago every night to soothe myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I would love for you to shout out a few more things that, you know, that you're doing, that you're into and that you can see. We're all just supposed to be making progress all along the way. Little hinges swing the big doors, right? Yeah. I love the book, The One Thing. And I think that's really how we need to approach our health and where people get in challenges as we overwhelm them with what they need to do. And then they just put their hands up and say, forget it. So if you can just do one thing and incorporate that and then do the next thing and incorporate that, right? And mm-hmm. it's manageable. And then you'll look back over the year and everything will have shifted. And it's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, I set out a goal early on in my career to help a million people get healthy. And then I was on Dr. Phil and all of a sudden there's a 13 million person audience and I'm like going, wow, you know? And yeah. so you look and go, okay, so let's make a bigger goal. <laughs> how do we help? <laughs> how do we help a billion people get healthy? Well, obviously that takes a village, not just me. And that's what happened with Mindshare. It was like, how do we get a bunch of people together, share what's working out there, how we're able to get our message out there, how we're able to help so many people and help each other. Because I know that... Um, people who read my books are the same people who read Dr. Mark Hyman's books, Dr. Sarah Gottfried's books, Dave Asprey's books. Mm-hmm. So we all support each other. So that sure. was where Mindshare came to be. And then, you know, from that, we started to look at, well, what what more do people need there? What kind of support? So we started a mastermind off of it. So we have a big event and we have a membership with a bunch of training and support. And then we have a mastermind and Um, Now we're starting intensive workshops. And so it's just really to help the healthcare practitioner who's really looking to expand outside of uh, working one-on-one to working one-to-many and getting their message out to the world and supporting more people. So that's that's Mindshare. I have something sort of similar just starting with um, higher-level women founders and entrepreneurs that are wanting to support Mm -hmm. each other. We've been getting together as a small group to do that which I love. So at some point down the road, that will turn into a super cool program to help mentor younger women. Cause I was very fortunate when I was younger to have a mentor at mm-hmm. age 30 who changed everything for me. And, uh, but it's hard to find, you know, and well, that's to be amazing. That. so well, and you're a mentor to a friend of mine, and she cannot speak more highly of you and your program. So if anyone's listening and they want to learn more about that, where would they go? Um, that one's mindsharecollaborative.com. If you can't spell collaborative, Amazing. you could go to mindsharesummit.com. I think it'll take you to that. Okay, great. <laughs> that collaborative is a hard one. It's a tough one. C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-I-V-E. Yep. Right? That's it. Okay. Got it. I could win the spell. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone check her out. JJ Virgin, lots of books. You can check those out as well, especially which we didn't talk about, even though it is something I'm passionate about, but I really wanted to tell your son's story because we haven't done a lot with traumatic brain injuries and just being a warrior in your own health and in the health of others. So I really appreciate you being here. And if you want to learn more about her sugar and her 
you know, her sugar philosophy and her diets. You can check out those books. I'm sure they're on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. She's also a public speaker. So you can see her at lots of events. Um, JJ, thank you so much. That's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate your patience. Jeez. <laughs> so I'll have you back again in two years. <laughs> Book it now. <laughs> These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.